Hello, everyone. Mark Harrington here. And uh, we just finished part one of my trip to Israel. I interviewed Tom Short from Tom Short Campus Ministries, and we talked about our visit to the city of Jerusalem. I think the most fascinating city on the planet. Well, today we're going to be talking about part two. And part two is about our visit, our tour of the Sea of Galilee area where Jesus spent most of his time and most of his ministry. So stick around. I think you're going to be blessed with my time with Tom Short uh, and our, our time in the Sea of Galilee in the state of Israel. All right, so let's move on to the actual Temple Mount, Dome of the Rock. I don't want to spend a heck of a lot of time on this, honestly. Uh, to me, it's kind of an offense. <laughs> I don't really like the idea that the uh, the Muslims occupy the Temple Mount, but it is what it is. Uh, this is the shrine to which they believe that, uh, that uh, Muhammad was ascended to heaven, and there's a footprint inside, apparently, we were not allowed to go in there. We were there for about an hour and they shushed us off. Uh, there's also another, uh, it's, it's the mosque, the Al-Aqsa Mosque on that Temple Mount. But explain the biblical sec, uh, significance of the Temple Mount, Tom, and, and, and also maybe a little bit about where what's happening today. Well, the, uh, uh, this is the most disputed property in the world. To the Jews, mm -hmm. this is where the holy site is, and they want a third temple built there. To the Muslims, right. they say they're not giving it up because to them, this is next to two spots in Saudi Arabia. This is the most holy spot for Muslims in the world. Right. And, and, um, and so it's quite controversial. Technically, it is in Israeli territory, but they, allow them, they have allowed the Muslims to police this area as long as things stay under control. If things get out of control, they're going to come up and restore order. And then I was got, very, you know, that, I want to stop there. I was really, I had no idea that was true uh, when Eshai told us that, that in 1967, in the 67 war, that the Israelis took the Temple Mount, yet they did not destroy the Dome of the Rock or the Al-Aqsa Mosque. They left it and gave it to the Muslims, at least to, to keep. And I think that was a kind of a, maybe a compromise that they didn't want to go any further in the war. I'm not certain. But, you know, I got, got to wonder about that logic nowadays. But anyway, I thought that was interesting that they that uh, and they and don't the uh, don't the Israelis still have, I mean, technically control over the Temple Mount? Yeah. As, as I said, if there is if there's an uprising of anything, they they retain the authority to come set it down. But basically, gotcha. if Israeli security forces go up there under the Temple Mount, it's, uh, the, the Muslims don't like it. And so they don't do it unless it's in a, a extreme situations. All right, so let's move on to day five. And this was the uh, day that we left Jerusalem. So we had finished our tour of the old city and those uh, environs around it. And we went to Jericho. And when we were in Jericho, we went to the Mount of the Temptation. I don't have a picture of that, but if you would quickly describe what that was all about, and then we have a picture here of the Qumran Caves, and I want to talk more yeah, detail so, about that. So we take a cable car up there, which is the uh, highest cable car below sub sea level in the world. So we all, all were part of a Guinness World Record there. Um, 
but we go up where you can see over Jericho and see the valley and see the the uh, quite a sight. But but this is thought to be the area where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and mm -hmm. and uh, in his forty days of temptation. And of course, he passed the test. Interesting, the same test that when the Jews came out of Israel at a similar area because they crossed the Sea of the Jordan River right there near Jericho when they came mm -hmm. into the Promised Land. They failed the test. They grumbled to God about their food. They put the Lord to the test. They didn't, the same test they had Jesus faced, and he passed his because, of course, he was our sinless sacrifice, Lamb of God. Yeah, and I regret I don't have a photograph of the Mount of Temptation and the cable cars, and there's a monastery up at the top. It's it's super cool. <laughs> Everything is super cool in, in Israel. Uh, but that is part of the West Bank, which is the so-called occupied territories, uh, But uh, and then that is mostly Arab land. But there as well, of course, Tom, is the Qumran, the city, or, or I guess you could say Qumran community, which has been excavated. Uh, you see a picture here of some of the caves that our tour people went up into that is near Qumran. This is where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Uh, you mentioned earlier a little bit about Qumran, and I wanted you to just go back and reiterate that. I thought this was really fascinating that the Essenes, it's believed, were the ones that inhabited the Qumran community and were the ones who, who inscribed the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, explain a little bit about the Essenes, and, and it's thought that maybe John the Baptist was one of them. Yeah, so the Essenes were people who were fed up with the corruption of the high priesthood, and about 150 B.C., they, they decided God's going to judge it, and they departed. They came out into the desert here at a place called Qumran, and they mm -hmm. said, we're going to establish a community God's going to judge that. Messiah's going to come. He's going to judge it. And when he does, we're going to, we're the children of light. He's going to judge the children of darkness over there. We don't want to be a part of it. And so they were a group of people who sought to live a very holy and devoted life to God. They, they, mm -hmm. their, their practices, their children, raising their children. Uh, they didn't want to, they, they wanted to come out and be separate from the children of darkness who they considered now that's that the Jews, the Israel had become that. So no, uh, we can't, we can't go into the caves, at least the ones that they, you know, found the, uh, the scrolls and the clay pots, but we were able to go up into that, uh, up into the mountain a bit close to the Qumran. And I know I, I saw you up there. I didn't get up there right away <laughs> with everybody else. Uh, uh, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, it's quite a hike, quite a hike. So <laughs> I started up higher and I decided to, instead to take more of a horizontal route and discovered some, uh, some hidden areas up in the, uh, up in the mountains there. And nearby is the Dead Sea. Let's talk about that. Go to the next slide, if you would. And this is a picture of my wife, Paula, floating in the Dead Sea. Uh, the Dead Sea is a really interesting location. Again, 34 years ago, I didn't go in the water. I'm glad I did this time. <laughs> I got an opportunity to go in. Uh, you know, I, we forgot to talk about the Jordan River and the baptism. I don't have a picture of that, too. But let's talk about the Dead Sea, and then we'll go to the Jordan River. Okay. So the Dead Sea, yeah, you can't sink in it. Doesn't matter who you are, you're going to float. And if you do get your head underwater, there's going to be so many minerals and salt in it, it's going to sting like crazy. You might have to go to the hospital. 
But we go out and and, uh, float in the Dead Sea. Just a lot of fun because you've never experienced that type of buoyancy in your life. And there's mud. I mean, the people putting all this, all the Dead Sea mud on their bodies. And uh, I think Paul and I both bought some Dead Sea uh, salt. (laughs) We bought some Dead Sea mud. We brought it home and gave it to people as uh, souvenirs from that area. Uh, But also nearby is the Jordan River, where it's believed that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. That was a really interesting visit. Uh, for me personally, because I got to be baptized in the Jordan River, but also there were thousands of people there. So kind of give us a, a uh, if you would, kind of your take on that, because I was that was an exciting moment for the that, tri- for everybody. That was a shocking trip. moment. There are two places you can get baptized in the Jordan River. One is far more common for tourists. It's a little bit more developed, and it's up where Israel your Israel has both sides of the river. But the mm. actual place where Jesus was baptized, and where John was baptizing, also the place where the Jews crossed into, crossed the Jordan into Israel, and the place where Elijah was carried off in a chariot at the end of his life, is down in a far more primitive area. And right across the river, not too far away, is Jordan. It's a, so it's the international border. We've gone there before, and there might be... Uh, most people go to the tourist spot. We wanted to go to the authentic spot. Most people, uh, you know, there's 30, 40, 50 people there. But this time there were thousands and mm-hmm. they were from Nigeria and mm-hmm. and they were getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were being baptized. It was like so exciting. The, the There's an electricity in the air and yeah. uh, we were able to baptize people there as well who wanted to be. And, uh, and also to see what God is doing there in Nigeria, all these believers that were so excited to be in Israel. So, friends, if you if you want to find out more about the trip, you can go to my social media, especially my Facebook page. I have all my pictures posted. Uh, all I have some videos there as well. And also, you want to go to TomThePreacher.com and his YouTube page. And on the YouTube page, you, Tom, you, you, you took on the road your daily word and prayer. And on your daily word and prayer, you shared some of the messages as you were preaching them like a day late there on your YouTube page. And so if you go to Tom's YouTube page, I exhort you strongly to subscribe to his daily word and prayer. Uh, my wife and I, over time, has have uh, have been uh, followers of of Tom, and and as often as I'm able, I join him in the morning. You know, it's about a 15 minute uh, sharing, and uh, usually from the Word of God, and then a bit of prayer. And I was it was fun to watch you talk about the trip and share some of the talks or speeches, if you will. Uh, there's still more to come out. I'm still interested in hearing those again. <laughs> so. I'll be following you closely on YouTube. Uh, and folks, I, you know, I don't want to steal the thunder here. I don't want to give too much information out. You'll think, oh, I don't need to go to Israel now. I've seen everything. No, not even close. We're just scratching the surface here on the program. I would just It's just exciting for me to be able to go back and share this time with Tom and our listeners, uh, the time that we had together and how much it impacted me and my wife. So let's move on to day six as we try to plow through all of this. <laughs> day six, we left. Well, actually, day day five, we left from, uh, if I'm correct, we left from the 
Dead Sea. We might have left from the Jordan River. I forget. But we headed up north to the Sea of Galilee, and we stayed in Tiberias in a hotel. And then the next day, we went out and, and began to tour that area, and starting with the uh, the with the Mount of the Beatitudes. And, you know, I don't need to tell our listeners the impact of that talk or that speech that Jesus gave. Tom, if you would, I mean, it doesn't give justice to to that location, of course, today. We're not going to be able to share as much as we would be able to. But we were able to. What a beautiful location. First of all, what a what a beautiful spot. What a Sea of Galilee is just unbelievable. Amazing. It, it could be a resort just by itself. But then you all the history. Uh, you were able to open the word of God and share the, some of the Beatitudes. If you would share with our listeners and viewers. Uh, what you what you shared with us that that morning? Well, I you know you could talk about the Beatitudes for hours and hours, and most yeah. of my messages are, you know, 10, 10 to fifteen minutes there. <laughs> yeah, and I just felt led to speak about the area of forgiveness because mm -hmm. that's a that's such a need in our lives today. So many people don't forgive. We live in cancel yeah. culture. We live in a time when people are a lot of vengeance, a lot of hatred, a lot of anger. And Jesus calls his people to, to, we're the light of the world. We stand for what's true, but we need to learn how to forgive those who've offended us. And uh, anyone who's been following the Lord for a while, probably any person, but anyone who's been following the Lord and certainly people in ministry, oh my goodness, there's, uh, there's hurt and there's pain. And, and if we can't forgive, we're going to so undermine our fruitfulness and effectiveness for God. I, I, one of the things about our tour, and this maybe it's time to say it, I really see it as not only learning about Israel, but as a time, a concentrated time for God to really work in our lives. Mm -hmm. And indeed, there were quite a few people on our tour who said this message on forgiving and, mm -hmm. and how we need to forgive uh, really impacted them because they're dealing with some people who've really hurt them mm -hmm. and it's really hard to forgive. And yet if we don't, a root of bitterness comes up, it's going to undermine our effectiveness for God. That's why, why our enemy wants us to get so angry and bitter because he knows it. Well, and, and, you, know, you know, Tom, I was one of those people <laughs> that came up yeah. to you and told you how impacted I was by that talk. Uh, the setting, you know, just opening up the word. What, what I really appreciate about your tour is your understanding of the Bible. Uh, you've been on the you've been on uh, campus for 40 years. I mean, you understand it in and out. You can just open it up and share with others. And it, it really impacted me and just the application. It wasn't just, oh, this happened here. Let's move on. No, you applied it to our lives. And that's what really, I think, adds so much to this because it, it is a time of refreshing and renewal. And that's what I was praying for. And And I think God met me there. And this was one of the. One of the most impactful sites, like every one of them, I wish I could have spent more time at them. But, I mean, we, we, there's so much to see and we only have so much time. It just makes you want to come back. So <laughs> so the Mount of Beatitudes, then we moved on to Caesarea Philippi. What happened there? Well, this may be, this is one of my favorite spots because this it is, is mine as well. I have to say this. Uh, they're all great, but this was one that was really really powerful and frankly i hadn't put the two together so share with uh, the gates of hell it is here share with our right our so this is yeah. this is quite a journey that jesus took his disciples out of the way up to the city called caesarea philippi and what you're looking at 
is what the people felt were the gates to hell, the gates to mm -hmm. Hades, the gates to the netherworld. And they had right. their pagan gods. And this was actually a temple to the Greek god Pan, P-A-N. Yeah. yeah. And, and the temple was there. And they felt that the gods like Baal, for instance, Ashtra, these gods would go down through these gates that into this, this cave here in the winter and come back in the spring. And Jesus took his disciples, he picked his spots, and he, and he talked about how his church would prevail against the gates of Hades, and they were standing right there at the spot, and it, it makes this come alive. They're, they went to the spot. Yeah. His, his impression of spiritual warfare wasn't to wait for them to come after us. He said, we're going to the gates, and we're going to prevail the church of God. Yeah, and again, it, it comes alive because it, it, one of the things I, I I learned is so how deliberate, how deliberate our Lord was uh, when he spoke, where he spoke. He picked his spots, and this is a powerful teaching. You know where Peter says that you are the Christ, you are the Son of the Living God. And it's that confession that. Uh, that Jesus says upon this rock, that confession that you are the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And what I appreciate about you, Tom, is that you get it. You know, we are supposed to go to the enemy's turf, to the, to the, to our, to the turf of those who oppose us. And you've written a book called that, right? <laughs> yeah. Explain a little bit about the, the book. Cause I have it. I've read it. I get our, I try to have our interns and staff read it at least once a year. Um, well, Talk book, about that, because you're a little different than a lot of people <laughs> in yeah. that you don't think we should just stay behind the four walls of the church. Yeah. Uh, years ago, like we, we began preaching out on the campus way back in 1980 at the University of Maryland. There's a professor who was really upset with me for preaching on the campus. He yelled, not on my turf. I beg your not pardon? On not on my <laughs> turf. I said, what do you mean? Yeah. He said, you can say whatever you want in your church but this is my turf and you don't bring that here. Oh, oh my goodness. He gave me a theme for life, a title for my book, a, a, a thing for my wristband that, that I'm, I'm going to spend my life taking God's word to their turf because that's what we need to do. We don't yeah. just wait for them to come to us. We go to them. We put the go in the gospel. And so my book is just stories of my campus evangelism. They're all short, easy to read. Uh, inspiring. Some of them are funny, and I and uh, uh, and and I think a lot of people are inspired by the stories. There you go. Yeah, you can pick up you can pick up the book by going to tomthepreacher.com. dot com. You can pick it up there. Um, and this is why I think you and I, Tom, are, are kindred spirits in that sense that we believe we need to be out in the culture pressing the truth of the gospel. To those who most need to hear it, and college campuses is is the place, and uh, that's why I met you so many years ago on a college campus. All right, so let's move on from um, from the Beatitudes, the Gates of Hell, there, Caesarea Philippi, and then we went to, if I'm correct here in our uh, in the progression here, the chronology. This might have been a different day, but we went to. In fact, I think this is this will be this will be day seven. We went to Mar Mount. Arbel, yeah. Mount Arbel. Explain what Mount Arbel is. Well, this is where it's believed Jesus gave the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And it's it's up on a high mountain where you can overlook 
much of Galilee, but you also can overlook the road via uh, Mara. Forgive me for forgetting. I think it's via Mara. But it connects that road right down there that you can see connects uh, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And that road runs right through there. It's a major road running right through Israel that, that connects these continents. And so when Jesus was saying, go to all the nations, he was standing right there overlooking this road that goes to the known world at the time mm -hmm. and declaring, take the gospel. It's no longer just for the Jews. It's for all the nations. It's quite a sight up there. It is. The Great Commission was given to go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And, and again, you opened up the word of God and shared with us. And, you know, again, a very deliberate <laughs> location by the Lord. I mean, look, it may have taken him a day or two to get at the top of that, uh, just to make that uh, pronunciation from there. All right, let's move on to Capernaum, if you would. This is the uh, Jesus's hometown, if you will. Of course, we know he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth, but he left Nazareth after basically getting run out of the synagogue. We're going to get it get to that in a minute. But this was his hometown. I think we're looking at some of the ruins and then the synagogue behind there. Uh, share a little bit about the Capernaum and, and the uh, you know, as far as Jesus' hometown. And also, I, I if I recall, and maybe I'm conflating two locations, but I think that was the uh, Peter's home too, right? Peter's home is there, yes. And, yeah. and it's been excavated, and they've actually built a church over it, but nicely— they put a glass floor on the bottom of the church. Um, the, the, in the back here of this picture, you see the synagogue. Now, this synagogue was actually probably a third or fourth century synagogue, but underneath it, are it was built on top of a synagogue where you can see there it. Is. There you go. That's the that's the that's where the church, the home of Peter, was underneath there, and that's the excavations of of. Uh, and again, there's strong archaeological reason to believe that that was actually the Peter home Peter, and perhaps, perhaps the first church uh, that that ever really existed in a home. Um, um, but back also to the, the home of Jesus. Yeah, and the home of Jesus. Yeah, the, this would have been kind of his adopted home after he was after he left Nazareth. He did his. This was kind of his center of operation where. He called disciples to come follow him, be fishers of men from now on. It's where this occurred with Peter. Uh, that the the uh, synagogue that we see, the, the synagogue where Jesus stood, cast out demon, declared that the scriptures are fulfilled in your midst. You see the ruins underneath it. It's a different color stone. Yep. That's, that's the synagogue there. The white uh, remains. And underneath it is the black stone, the basalt uh, that was would have been the the foundation for the from the days of Jesus there. It's amazing. I mean, it's we're flying through these, and I'm just thinking, boy, these you could spend a day at each one of these locations. But we yeah. we had a lot to, a lot to say, a lot to do, and we moved on. And I think that was day seven. Although I think we we finish up with the uh, let's see, we, the prophets of Baal. Where where was that, Tom? Oh, that was our last day. That okay, was our that, last okay. Day. So let's get this in progression. Go back one, if you would. <laughs> well, you can kind of figure out where we are there. <laughs> we were on the Sea of Galilee. We 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 took a, a boat out there. Actually, there's a, a museum there. I forget the name of it, Tom. Maybe you know the 
museum, but they call it the Jesus Boat. Yeah, the Jesus Boat Museum. Yeah, and so explain what the museum's about, and then of course what we're looking at here. So during a period of drought about 20 years ago, and the and the Sea of Galilee was uh, the, the level of it had gone down. They discovered uh, a boat, and the boat was uh, basically dated back to the first century. So they call it the Jesus boat. Now, was it the boat that Jesus took his disciples in? We don't know, but it's very, it's, it, you know, a boat like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, lifted up out of, we saw a movie about how they excavated, how they got it up out of the mud and brought it in. And we actually got to see this ancient boat. Can you imagine a boat from 2000 years old? I mean, in our country, the oldest things you see are, are maybe something was built 300 years ago. And this <laughs> had been preserved somehow. They, they were able to put it in the museum and, and, and you see it's not that big. It wasn't a huge boat. And you can see why those disciples, if they were in that boat out on the sea of Galilee and a storm came up, you could see why they were scared uh, that they could just tip right over and be lost. Yeah. This was the last evening in Galilee. And this is a picture of my wife and I looking out over the sea. Uh, this is one of those moments, uh, Ty, they went again, the most impactful moments of the trip is I looked north and I thought about the Beatitudes and I thought about where Jesus preached. And you said this throughout the trip, and I think it needs to repeat it. And that is, Jesus was the most consequential fi- figure in human history. Just the fact that the, the man, Jesus, and the impact that he's had throughout history. There's no one that even comes close to him, doesn't rival him at all. And as I thought about just three and a half years of ministry in this region, without social media, no other, you know, this, the impact, it's just, it's astounding what was accomplished. Just on a human level, let alone, of course, what he stood for and, and the fact that he died for human sin and gave us a way for salvation. Uh, it's just, it's just incredible. And you're sitting there thinking and, and, and looking at places where, you know, the Lord ministered. And this this really call came home to me as we were out on the Sea of Galilee there looking out uh, at all that area where Jesus spent most of his time. Uh, you know, we talk about Jerusalem a lot and we spent five days there because there's so much that happened in that last week. But the majority of his time was taken up here. Uh, so let's move on uh, to the prophets of Baal. I forget the name of the, the mountain there, uh, if you would. Well, Mr. Is this a picture of? Uh, yeah, that's Mount Carmel. Yeah, yeah Mount Carmel. Sorry. <laughs> Go yeah. share, share what happened. This is all I have right in the photo. It's just the statue, but the view was astounding. But yeah. explain what happened there. Yeah, Mount, Mount Carmel or Mount Carmel, however you want to uh, say it. This is where Elijah challenged the people of Israel. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? Mm -hmm. If the Lord is God, then serve him. But if Baal is God, then serve him. But Mm -hmm. make up your mind. And the people didn't have an answer. And we talked about why. Baal, they were in the midst of a drought. Baal was the God of rain, the God of nature. Baal was the God that the Canaanites thought could bring water and break the drought. But God is the true God. Baal's a fake God. And so, and so this is where there was a real power encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. We're going to each of us offer, have an oxen. We'll prepare the altar and we'll see which God answers by fire and pour, brings down fire upon the altar. 
And of course, 450 prophets of Baal versus one prophet of the Lord. But uh, uh, Elijah won because our God is real and he answered by fire. And the people, afterwards, they shouted out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. In Hebrew, that's Elijah. They may have been shouting out, Elijah, 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 not praising him, but saying the Lord, he is God. And so we were challenged here. And this is, again, when I teach uh, in Israel, I want to have application in our lives. And that uh, in our day, I think people are just waiting for us to stand up and show that our God is the God. Because even in the church, they're hesitating between, do we trust in the Bible? Or what about all the technology we have and all the science we have and all the knowledge we have? And uh, and we're looking for our God. to, And I think God's looking for people to stand up and say, our God is the true God. Amen. Amen. So day eight, this is the final day. And as we left Galilee in the morning, we went to the city of Nazareth. And this is a picture kind of zoomed in on. Um, I forget the name of the church. You're going to have to tell me again here. Uh, well, this is where supposedly where Jesus, Jesus went into the synagogue, if I'm correct. Uh, but not, not there. Not there. That right. would be okay. the church of the Annunciation where uh, uh, they built a place where they say Mary was when... Uh, the angels came and said that she would bear a okay, child. Okay, so what, what are we looking at here? I, this I'm is, to this is Nazareth. This is modern-day Nazareth and that church. Okay. Uh, but Nazareth is a Muslim, primarily a Muslim city, an Arab mm -hmm. city, and uh, that would be the, the church there. The rest of it surrounding is a Muslim area. And then we went to Mount Precipice. Explain that. This is a great photograph. This is Eshai, our guide who did a fabulous job, I think, Tom, as you know, this is the third year you've used him. I, I honestly believe it wouldn't be as as powerful without him, but this is not this is an amazing location. So much to talk about here, but if you would kind of share with our viewers, our listeners what we're looking at. This is known this is overlooking the Valley of Megiddo. And mm -hmm. this is known as the Mount as Mount Precipice, which right. is where when Jesus basically claimed these scriptures have been fulfilled in your midst, that it was thought they were they came to throw him off this ledge. Now, and keep in mind, Nazareth is right nearby. So yes, right, yeah, yes, okay, yeah. Good. This is up on the. Uh, this is the kind of like the precipice of Nazareth. This mm -hmm. is uh, kind of the top of the area. Again, this may or may not be the spot. It's a wonderful place to see the this tremendous. Uh, you know, the, the landscape of Israel and Megiddo, Megiddo, they're the Valley of Megiddo. But um, when we go up there, we give again a, a talk about uh, courage and not fearing men and being people who uh, stand for what's true and right, even if people disagree. There's also another mountain, which is off to, it would be off to the left here of Eshai, which I don't have a photograph of Mount Tabor or Tabor. Explain what happened there, because that's another one within view of this. When you stand on Mount Precipice, you can see it. I'm going to let you explain that if I could. <laughs> uh, I think that's where the, the transfiguration took place. Okay. I, that's what I thought. I he, I, when, <laughs> when I ask you to explain, it's because I forget. But yes, I was <laughs> okay, thinking, yeah. too, but I wasn't sure that. that, that well, I, I, that's exactly, at least that's what I was told. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That would have been the, the Mount of Transfiguration. Correct. Right. 
Thank okay, you. so let's move on to the, uh, this would be our final stop before we had our final meal together, and that is Caesarea Maritima. And if you would, Ms. Producer, go to the next photograph. Uh, this is on the Mediterranean. Explain what happened there. This is a really, another one of those archaeological areas. There you go. Well, there you go. One of those yeah. archaeological, uh, it's just one of those, I don't know, you know, you think about all the great things in the world. This is an amazing location. It really is. This was one of Herod the Great was a great builder. Remember, mm -hmm. Herod the Great was the one who wanted to have Jesus killed when the wise men came and asked, where is he's been born king of the Jews? Herod, right. the, Herod the Great was king for 33 years, but he built this amazing city, Caesarea Maritima, which really rivaled Rome as one of the great cities of, of uh, ancient times. Maybe the best seaport, uh, deep water seaport in all the Mediterranean. He built Masada. He expanded the temple. He uh, he built what's called the Herodian, an incredible builder. And yet, now this is a restored arena that he had. And in this arena was was probably where Paul. I mean, it's where Paul gave his defense of the gospel before a large number of people before King Agrippa. Paul was imprisoned here. Some of his prison mm -hmm. epistles may have been written in this place. For two years, he was imprisoned here before he was taken to Rome. And, uh, uh, and this is where, the, where Peter received a vision to come down from Joppa to uh, witness, to share the gospel with uh, Cornelius, who was the first Gentile to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit poured out upon him as he was saved there. It's quite a place. However, for the most part now, it's ruins. Mm -hmm. It's ruins. Th this has been restored, this uh, arena, and it's, it is in use today. But so much of this incredibly beautiful city is just ruins now. Why? Well, Herod the Great was certainly not a man of God. Remember, he set himself against Jesus. And the mm -hmm. kingdom of Jesus has prevailed, and it's stronger now than it's ever been. And yet the kingdom of Herod, who uh, all he had was of this world and a builder in this world, but nothing else. Well, everything he built is now left in ruins. And there's something for us to learn from this. No question. And again, this, this photograph doesn't necessarily do it justice because there's also the Hippodrome, Hippodrome there, which is where they might have had um, kind of chariot races and other types of athletic events. Uh, as well, it's not far from an aqueduct, which is like eight miles long, which brought water into that region. It's just an incredible location. And that was our final destination for the uh, eight days of touring, nine days total in Jerusalem. Obviously, some travel there and back. And uh, it was a, uh, a bittersweet moment there, Tom, when we all had to get to say goodbye to each other uh, <laughs> as we went to Tel Aviv Airport. And uh, we've made lifelong friends for for sure, and and I think you and I have uh, kindled hopefully a long time friendship. And I'm looking forward to getting back to Israel, as I've said to my viewers and listeners. I'm hoping to go back to do some pro life ministry there and help out, because uh, you know there's there's little being done in the state of Israel, unfortunately, when it comes to the unborn. And frankly, there could be a heck of a lot more being done in the sharing of the gospel and evangelism. And I know that's your heart too, uh, Tom. And so, folks, I, listen, I know it's early. It's still February this year. In fact, I, maybe we're into March. I'm not sure. I've kind of lost track of time here. 
But if you want to go to Israel, this is on your bucket list, which it was on mine. And you want to go to Israel and you want to go not just to see the sites, which by itself would be enough reason to go. But you want to go to be inspired, refreshed, renewed in the Lord. Then I cannot suggest more strongly than going with Tom and his ministry. And they'll be going again next year in February, February 7th through 15. I know the website's not set up for that yet, but you can mark it down. Let them know you're interested in coming. Uh, I'm, I'm certain you will be benefit. You'll benefit greatly by the visit and, and never be the same as Paul and I were. So, Tom, if you would, some parting words before we uh, finish up this uh, walk down memory lane. It's been fun. I will say you th- thank you. I will say you can go to the website, TomThePreacher.com, click on the Israel icon and then down there it says for more information. And if you fill okay. in your name and, and uh, email there, you'll be kept in the loop with any as announcements come out and there as more go. information comes out. But, yeah, we're looking at next February and uh, we're going to have a great time. It gets better every year. This year's trip was better than the year before. Next year's trip's going to be even better. And uh, it is a it's it's you know, some people go to Israel as an educational because of the mm-hmm. archaeology, the, the geography and so on. Some people, uh, highly academic, some people go for modern day Israel, you know, like the political situation now. Mm-hmm. We like to focus on the Bible, particularly the life of Jesus. We touch on, obviously, on the geography and the archaeology quite a bit, but our time is designed, we're disciples of Jesus. And mm-hmm. there's nothing like learning what Jesus taught us and what Jesus did on location. It just comes alive in a fresh way. Years ago, I was challenged, if you want to do great things, go to great places, read great books, meet great people. And that's part of the reason we go to Israel, because there is no greater place on earth than what happened there. There's no greater person to study than the life of Jesus, and there's certainly no greater book than the Bible. So that's what we try and do while we're there. And I trust it to be a life-changing time for all who can join us. I couldn't have said it better, and I agree 100%. So we've been listening to your radio activists, and my guest today has been Tom Short. You can find out more about his work on college campuses around the country by going to TomThePreacher.com. And also, if you're interested in this next year's Israel trip, just let him know. Get on his email list, and I, I trust that you'll be kept up to speed. And I also exhort you, if you need help, you know, getting back in the Word of God and you need help getting back to normal daily devotions, there's no better way than do it, in my view, than tuning in to Tom 8.30 every morning, Eastern Time, 8.30 Eastern Time, with his Word and Prayer, which is on YouTube. I can't suggest it more highly. So, Tom, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it so much and how you invested in all of us. Again, a life-changing time for me and my wife. Appreciate it. Well, friends, I know that these uh, this topic is not typically the kind of thing that I deal with here on the Mark Harrington Show, but I felt like it was important enough to discuss my visit to Israel because it impacted me so much. And, of course, we are in a spiritual battle. When we're talking about the battle on abortion or the spreading of the gospel, we have to have a good, firm foundation, and that is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so for me, it was a great time for refreshing, for renewal, 
rededication, and just a time to relax and enjoy the Holy Land. And I, I can tell you, it impacted me a, a great deal. And I hope that these two last, these last programs where we've talked about the uh, about Israel, my tour there with Tom Short and his ministry, has also encouraged you uh, and strengthened your faith. That the faith that you believe in is founded in in strong evidence and strong uh, uh, archaeological evidence and Bible evidence, all the history and all of that that we just shared with you. And again, I exhort you, if you want to go to Israel, there's no better tour to take than Tom Short's. And you can find more uh, out at TomThePreacher.com, TomThePreacher.com. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.